Hey, Foreplay listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes a bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball nips. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball nips and have a great time on the golf course. Oh, What's up, I got a buddy who struggles with that shot a lot. His name's Frankie Borelli. So the guys actually gave him a nickname of Butter Knives because he, <laughs> he always knives it across the green. Broke 100. Yeah. Now you gotta break 90. We appreciate what you guys do for golf. It's been really cool. Thank you. You're making it cool. We appreciate it. I was like, hey, Phil, you owe me fucking $29.99. And he grabs 100 He's like, yeah, I won 90,000 of these yesterday. Yeah. He goes, take 100 and go fuck yourself. <laughs> what? What do you guys think of that? It's ain't a hobby. Foreplay brought to you by Barstool Sports, presented by our very good friends at Chevrolet, the bow tie, EVs, EUVs for everyone everywhere. We love you, Chevy. Huge week. This is the first week of the year that I go wall-to-wall consuming golf coverage. I did it tonight. I recorded live from the Players' Championship every night. I was just watching Paul McGinley and Brandel Chambly going at it, going over, talking about 17, talking about all the different players and the holes and the excitement around the tournament. Uh, And it's the first week of the year that I really do that, that I really watch all of that coverage, and it just gets me fired up. They're sitting there right in front of the 17th hole. We're coming off a great weekend. We got Kurt Kitayama on the show. Uh, for the second half, we talked to him for about 30 minutes. A lot to get to. It's myself and Dan. We got Trent and Frankie who decided to do their crazy travel, as you guys all talked about, or we all talked about last week, going from uh, Pebble Beach to Myrtle Beach, getting there at like 1 or 2 in the morning, waking up. Frankie sang the national anthem. I got pulled over. Uh, did the uh, Myrtle Beach all day, and then they drove from there down to the uh, Players' Championship, I believe. So they were just like, we're going to do that. You guys do the podcast. So here we are. It's myself and Dan Rappaport. Are you fired up for this week, Dan? Oh, I'm fired up, dude. This is this is a golf heavy week. 156 players, which we just don't we just don't get that very much anymore. And it's a, it's a dying breed. It's a lot. You know what I mean? Like 156. Everyone. There's no amateurs in the field. There's no guys who won the tournament in 1986 who are going to shoot 82, 82 and call it a week. This is a 156 of the best golfers in the world on a golf course that I think is kind of a popular punching bag for people, which I really don't get because all the players love it, and I think it's fucking awesome. I'm really excited for this week. Golf feels hot right now after Bay Hill. There's there's controversy with the new designated events. There's just a lot of things happening. The only thing missing, missing is Tiger. Yeah, I do want to get into the Tiger thing. Uh, you know, I... I was stunned. I mean, there were I, there were just whispers afterwards that he felt good, that he was having great recovery. He uh, looked good. I heard um, you know the the term that his gait looked a lot better that people felt like during his showing at Riviera and the Players Championship and his role, kind of him and Rory being the uh, the faces of the PGA Tour throughout this last tumultuous year, the whole deal just felt like he was going to play. Uh, and the fact that I'm going selfishly, I was hoping he was going to play so I could see his ass Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, but he's not playing. You surprised he's not playing? 
Yes and no. I mean, I, I think after Riviera, there was definitely a lot of optimism, and rightfully so. We talked about it a lot on the show. He shot, you know, he shot on better on the weekend than he did over the first two days, which is which is a huge sign of progress. But I just think at this point, it's just too close to Augusta to risk anything. And like, also, uh, it kind of is like we just talked about 156 players. This is a hard tournament to win. A really hard tournament to win. It doesn't really favor any type of player. It's not like Augusta where you can kind of show up and, you know, the Freddies of the world always because there's so much local knowledge involved. Now, this is just like a pure test of golf. And I just think it's too close. I don't think he thinks he can win it realistically. And I don't think he wants to risk anything. But yeah, it's definitely like a, a you texted me, uh, you know, lately when I texted you back, I was like, it's, it's kind of depressing because it, it is just a reminder of the reality that we're in right now. It's like, even if there are these positive signs, it doesn't mean that, there's that, that that the status quo has changed. He still just can't do it. I'm a little uh, mad at myself. I got a little too hyped up, right? And I, you know, the, I will say that the the beauty of being a Tiger fan forever is that you've always been able to be hyped up because he's always delivered. It might take several years. It might it, it took uh, eleven years in between major championships, so it's not like it always delivers right away. But it's easy to get hyped up about Tiger, like we always do. Uh, I, I, I watched him shoot that. What was it? The four under 67, I think is what it was on Saturday. And you're like, ah, ah, here we go. He's not only he's like prancing around the golf course, making eagles. It's fucking done. Let's go. He's obviously going to play. He might play Bay Hill and the players. He's going to play everything. And then it's just like you said, it's a reminder that like, oh, no, 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 that's not the case anymore. Um, he is going to pick his spots. It, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm. Part of me is like twisting it in my own head of a positive of him being like, I don't even need to go through like another warm up and play the players championship. I'm fine. My game's sharp enough. I'm going to be able to go into Augusta National is kind of the way that I was thinking about it. And I'm con- consistently reminding myself too that he did go do a practice sort of drive a cart around, walk through whatever it was uh, at uh, LACC. So he's clearly got the major championships are on his mind of kind of the targets. I guess that's not surprising. So Tiger's not in it. Um, I imagine the Players' Championship has to be pretty bummed out that Tiger's not showing up. I would think 100 million percent. And it's funny, you know, in, through the prism of of these no-cut events, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week about, you know, trying to guarantee that all the stars are going to be there for all four days. That's That's kind of the main selling point for the no-cut. There's only one guy on the planet who actually impacts ticket sales, and 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 it's Tiger Woods. You know, it's like Colin Morikawa was the only top ten player who missed the who missed the cut at Bay Hill. Like, did that really did that really change things? Only Tiger's the only guy whose absence is genuinely missed. But yeah, it's definitely. I mean, but also it's kind of like it's not a good thing because he's gone. Because but but when he's there, and I thought this was amazing at Riviera because I wanted to see what it was going to be like. Whether he still sucked all the energy out of the tournament, one million percent he did. It was all the best players in the world, and all anyone would talk about was Tiger Woods. And on live from, that's all I'd be talking about all week. I'm saying I'd still prefer that, but it does give you an opportunity to sort of it frees you up a little bit. Tiger takes up a lot of mental energy. He takes up all the mental energy, and y- you are right. We were with so this last weekend. We were with a couple guys that are, are Thunderbirds and have obviously their hands heavily in the WM Phoenix Open and. And everything that goes on with it, running it, operating it, everything. Um, and we were talking about getting because of the the designated events stuff was unfolding. There's a lot of drama. There's James Hans making all kinds of comments. Max Homa had comments that went viral. People are going uh, back and forth. They're calling the tour hypocrites. Other people are defending it. We'll get into all that. Uh, but they were talking about you know how it's going to affect their event, and you know they kind of made the comment of like yeah, there's pretty much nowadays like one guy that. 
uh, we would like, or we would be committed to trying to get there. And it's Rory. And then we even, we kept talking for a little bit, kind of got to the point where like, even that doesn't really matter. And then they were like, Oh, if you want the, like the truth, truth from going way back to the beginning of like, when we take over and we're like a full year out, there's one guy and it's just Tiger Woods. It's just like, how is there any way we could possibly get Tiger Woods to our event? Because I think you're right. Like, I don't know that anyone else in the game can even come close to actually impacting the ticket sales or the or the you know the ratings that much in and like it might a, even be more really impactful way it might even be more now because of everything that's gone on like the public curiosity is just he it's he's a shakespeare character like he's been through everything he can play he just Tragedy. can't walk <laughs> i mean you just you just can't make it up and so i you know if he if he never had his downfall the multiple downfalls the the scandal the back surgery this and he just like winning 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 yeah you know i think he would still but i i I genuinely do believe that how tumultuous his career has been contributes to his mystique yeah it is it is funny to think about like oh this guy can play but he can't walk and yet it happened it's tiger woods who was already under a microscope we're like oh shit we're like zooming in on can he walk up and down a hill and that's the guy so anyways he's not here this week um Sad. I was going to go Tuesday, I think, if he was there. Uh, and we were all going to go and try to, you know, see if we could see him or maybe chat with him on Tuesday, Wednesday. We still got Frankie, Trent, and you are all going to be there Tuesday and Wednesday. And then I believe Frankie and Trent are heading home. They've been on the road for like a week and a half. I'm coming down. I'll be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. For Bolt Blazer, Equinox 2 Silverado, Chevy EVs are for everyone everywhere. We actually saw the Silverado EV for the first time in person in the flash, and it's just a spectacular video, um, vehicle. I was blown away by the whole thing, and then looking at how really iconic it was. It had all the features. It had the look. It had the Chevy bow tie up front, and yet it had the Silverado kind of badassness to it. And then the fact that that thing was just an electric vehicle, I was blown away by absolutely blown away by a few Chevrolet's beloved and best-selling have been designed as electric vehicle model uh, models powered by Ultium for an all electric future. We love an all electric future with over 2000 certified EV dealerships, plus a growing network of public charging stations. Chevy is here to help you live e electric. Chevy has electric vehicles available now. So you can buy now the Bolt EV and the Bolt EUV. You can reserve now the Silverado EV. You should go to their website. And like I've said before, just play around with it. Play around with the different interiors, exteriors, the different gadgets, the different colors that you can uh, whip up, see how sexy they look, and get involved in the EV game. They're affordable. You don't have to be rich to have an EV. So go get a Chevy EV for everyone everywhere. I'm hyped up. I've never been to the Players' Championship before, which is amazing, but uh, I've never been. I've been to now the Masters, the U.S. Open, the PGA. I've never been to a uh, British Open. Uh, I've been to quite a few PGA Tour events. I've been to the Phoenix Open a bunch. I've been to the Honda Classic. I've uh, been to the Zurich Classic. I've been to quite a few events. Never been to the Players. I heard it's an absolute blast uh, with the stadium course and the actual design of it where people can pretty much have a vantage point to see a lot of golf that, you know, they kind of make the, a bit of a, a party scene, kind of a um, amphitheater situation on 
17 with that hole and that there's, you know, the obviously the famous chain smokers thing from a few years ago, but they have concerts and the whole deal and it's Jacksonville and Jack's beach. So I'm pretty fucking excited to go to the players championship this week. It's a, it's a sneaky, really, really, I don't even know if it's sneaky anymore, but it's a, it's a great week. And I think what you said, it is, they design, I mean, it's called stadium court. They designed the golf course for the, for fans to be able to watch it. So that little corner there is 16 green, which is, which is the par five over the water, 17. And then they go through the tunnel and you can see what's happening. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, really special week. They, and then because they have it every year, a lot, a lot of the stuff they have built, there's not like tents. It's more like permanent structures. The build out is huge. And the merchandise that we have in there, it feels like, you know, the Barstool PGA Tour relationship is just, we're in the honeymoon. I mean, we're probably best friends. Yeah, we spoke about it last week. And, you know, it. if you tuned in and you saw us all, Players Championship basically tattooed on our foreheads and how far we had come from uh, that handful of years ago where Trent and I legitimately like wore disguises to try to get into PGA Tour because we had been booted. Uh, for you know allegedly violating some things and where we're at now it's amazing it really is amazing how far it's come uh how much they've helped out people have been watching the billy horschel video numbers are doing great we appreciate that that was huge in the pga tour they actually reached out to us and we're like you know the course is open till this date you guys would like to come film anything we would love to try to orchestrate that and help that happen and then the merchandise uh the fact that that is co-branded that doesn't just happen overnight that's months and months and months of work that we've been in a good place with them uh so it is it is quite interesting how far we've come with the PGA Tour i assume you know a lot of people can probably draw the uh conclusion that some of it's probably live based of like the tour is reaching and and up against an existential threat at that point, you pretty much need as many friends as you could possibly get, especially in the media. I think we're probably impactful with a certain demographic in the media, so that probably has played a role. Um, the only thing, the thing that's always been the biggest negative for us with the PGA Tour is that you could never really figure out who it actually is that was ever roadblocking things because everybody you talk to would be like, oh, yeah, we're a fan. We think you guys are actually great for the game. We listen to this show. We like that. We'd love some Barstool swag even. Like, oh, yeah, you got like a hat we can get. It always went well. And they'd be like, oh, you know, we're in with it. Unfortunately, you know, with us, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been a, a – it's, it's, it's tough to get things done and change in the way. So we're working. I'd be like, well, I talked to this person, that person, that person, that person, that person. It's like everyone seems to be on board, but nobody's actually getting it done. And now, again, I think over the last six, eight months, that has sort of uh, – um, the winds of change have sort of – found their way into the barstool four play pga tour relationship which has been great so i'm i'm wearing a players championship fucking hat right now with the barstool logo on the side i'm excited to see all the merchandise i hope some of it's left when i get there friday it might not be uh and i'm jazzed up to just experience the tournament um i'm gonna be doing kind of a combo of like having a media credential and probably having some access to some hospitality areas i'm gonna be there for the weekend so i'm pumped to get there uh, I'm pumped to start talking about some players because, again, I was just going through and and I was glued into the live from. I just fucking love it. I've always said that. I can't get enough of it. And I was going through the leaderboard, too, because we were uh, preparing to chat with uh, Kurt and the whole deal. And I think Jordan Spieth might be one of the most interesting uh, players in the world of golf to talk about right now because it's felt like for like two, three years now, he's kind of been like, on the cusp of being back yeah he got um the win in texas 
and he's had many events where he's right there. He almost fell off a cliff last year at Pebble Beach, and then he did fall off a cliff in the last five holes this week uh, and bogeyed the lot, three of the last five holes to go from 10 under, 7 under, 10 under would have won it. Um, that was completely shocking that that, uh, that would occur. So I don't really know where to feel like I'm at with Jordan Spieth, but I, you know, as we talked at the beginning about Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy and the players that can actually draw pure interest i think speeds as close as anybody um you know that that might be able to draw a little bit of a difference and uh and i don't really know what to make of his game to be honest with you yeah i think he finished third in the pip i think it was tiger rory and then spieth so i think by that metric he he is third as far as as, as needle movers i think the thing with jordan and without I was even try playing to... that well you know without yeah like it's not even playing i guess well. the pip right it's like rory had the phenomenal year and won the fedex cup and the whole deal and almost won the open and for speed to finish third and like not playing horrifically but not playing up on the level rory McIlroy. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely not. I mean, he's you know, like you said, he's fly, he's flashed up. He was you know, he finished second in in the open to to Colin. He's he's had like teases. I think what's particularly intriguing about him right now is that his ball striking has been really, really, really good. It's actually his putting that has let him down the last couple of weeks. Um, I saw some stats that were like his putting or his, his tee to green last week was like as good as it's been in a long time. And then you know, obviously with with Jordan, there's always the, the Augusta tie in, and people think that if he's has a pulse and and two working hands, that he'll be a factor there. Um, but yeah, no, there's <laughs> there's a bunch of guys who can win this week. Is there's there does still you know it still feels like John Rahm is the best player in the world despite a you know definitely a disappointing week last week. Uh, Scheffler was right up there. Rory was right up there, and all three of those guys are playing together. Dude, I saw. They were talking about John Robb shot 76-76 and then still finished tied for 39th. I was like, how the fuck did he shoot 76 twice and he's still tied for the 30s? I was like, that's really not that bad. So, uh, so yeah, Robb's obviously the best player in the world. I agree with that. Rory coming back. It's so interesting in golf, man, how somebody can go. You know, I mean, it felt in the fall, obviously, like Roy McIlroy was the unbeatable guy, the guy and it's like he can't tee it up but even if he doesn't win every week he's never going to finish like not in the top five and then it's the last few weeks you looked and it was like t30 it's his 40th they're here and then all of a sudden he essentially should have won yesterday it feels like he's incredibly close to winning and it's like even it almost makes me feel better knowing and understanding and feeling like i can one day have it and one day not it's one of the great cliches in golf but it's like doesn't take much to be a little bit off and when you're a little bit off the game is so incredibly or infinitely harder than it is. And I'm listening to Brandel talk about John Robb and his driving and how last week he had like the worst driving stats, you know, that he's had. And, and you're like, he's clearly the best player in the world yet. He had these bad driving stats. So you can just lose it really quickly. Um, but I do, you know, talking about these different players, I do agree with you in that if it were Tiger playing this week, we probably, the only thing we would have talked about up to this point is Tiger Woods. And without him, yeah, we're going to talk about it for 10 or 15 minutes like we did. But at the end of the day, it allows for this incredibly compelling uh, opportunity for us to have another leaderboard Sunday like we've had recently a few different times at the Phoenix Open. You know, it was Rahm and Scheffler and several guys right there yesterday and this past weekend. Tune in and to the back nine. And it's Spieth and Scheffler and Rory and then you get a few names in there that you know you've you've come accustomed to, like a Harris English. These guys that are in there, and then you get a totally kind of random to the average fan uh, name in there, like Kurt Kitayama, who's up there. And you're like, this is awesome. There's so many different stories going on that you otherwise would, 
you know, it's not even that you would, you wouldn't hate on them, but you're like, you do as, as big of a tiger guy as I am, you realize that like, you just tune everything out because you don't, as a human, I don't have the bandwidth to focus on that many things or be excited about that many things. I'm just hanging on, even if tiger's in like T 49th, I'm hanging on that four footer for par because I think if he makes it, it might propel him into feeling good about himself going into Augusta in five weeks. And like, you're you're forgetting about all this other fascinating shit in the world of golf that now we get to focus on. Yeah, and it's that's why I was saying my feelings when he played Riviera were like a little complicated because obviously the, the Tiger show is like so electric. It's it there's nothing like it in in golf, and and I ride it harder than anybody, or you know just as hard as anybody. But it was almost a little bit disappointing how much he sucked the oxygen out because. We can't, we just, we, we gotta, we're at some point, we're going to have to move past it. The game's going to move past it. It kind of already, I mean, it, it kind of already has, right? He's not playing this week. He, he played and he, he, he was 16 behind John Rump. I mean, for as good as, for as good as he looked, he was 16 shots back. And that's what I thought was, it was cool about the Netflix show with Tiger not being a factor is like, it was a preview into a new era, the, the, the true post Tiger era. We're going to need these guys and this crew of stars that are playing this week. This is going to be the core. This is the core. This is the These are the guys who are going to usher our game into a new generation. And last week was a preview of what it's going to be like, and this week is another preview. And so I think it's good for us to get these dress rehearsals without Tiger. I mean, life without Tiger is is more, is realer than it's ever been. And, and I just, I think that these weeks are, again, just a reminder of like, he will be here when he can be here, but it, it, we cannot count on him to bring the juice to the events. We just can't. Uh, Cam Smith will not be here this week. He's the defending champion. He lives in town, I believe, five uh, miles or so away from the course. He's obviously banned. Very interesting tidbits uh, about how he will be, you know, they're going to acknowledge it, is from what I've heard. They're flying the Aussie flag, which is a staple there for the uh, defending champion. He's got his club in the picture in the the clubhouse in the champion's area, so they're not going to shy away from that. But he being a Jacksonville guy is a staple at the other side of the driving range at TPC where he would warm up, hit balls, practice all the time. Uh, I saw them talking on TV about how he was fishing buddies with the superintendent at TBC Sawgrass. uh, And he's banned now from the event this year because of live Jay Monahan's comments last year when he was introducing and talking about him as a champion, he said, Cameron doesn't live very far from here, and every time he pulls his car up the road, he's going to receive a hero's welcome, is what he said last year. Since that time, obviously, Cam Smith has essentially, um, you know, been, he is banned. He's banned from the tour. He's banned from TBC Sawgrass, not even allowed on property at this point. So that dynamic of another defending champ, and I say another because Phil Mickelson with the PGA Championship uh, last year and him going in as the uh, the defending champion and not uh, showing up, not even showing up, uh, was such a weird dynamic that we spoke about. Obviously, PGA of America, PGA Tour are different, but same reason, same thing, same situation. Uh, we've got Cam Smith not showing up, not being allowed to show up, not even being allowed on property is what they, what they're uh, talking about. Uh, is pretty fucking wild. If you think about it, it's, it's, it's just, it, again, it's, it's just this last year has felt like three years. I, I can't get over the fact that lives first event was t- like less than 10 months ago. It, it just feels like, I guess it's because there were all these rumors that were going along for so long, but this thing has only been a real thing since June. It's absolutely wild. Going back to Rory. I think he's going to win this week. Because I think 
The players wow. is the turn because because it's not a major. And I don't want to sound cruel, but it's like Rory has done everything that you could possibly do since he won his last major in golf besides winning the major. He's won the players. He's won the FedEx Cup. He's won absolutely everything. And no matter what, he gets back to number one. He's the spokesman of the PGA Tour, all this stuff. But it's like, does it really matter that much if he doesn't win a major? And it's not it's not fair. It's not fair to judge in that way. But when you win four by the age of... I don't know, 25 or whatever he was. That's what you're judged by. And so I could totally see him winning this week and getting back to world number one. And it's a huge deal. And everyone's riding the Rory train, but it's not a major. And it's it's true. I mean, it's fucking true. The guy has to win major championships. It is funny. I was thinking as you were saying that, like, if he does win this week, will that be that iconic? It doesn't and change like, anything. No. It's, it'd be, I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It'd be awesome. I'd be fired up. I imagine some of the shots down the stretch or the, if he rips driver on 18 like he did when he won. It'd be awesome, be awesome. But in the grand scheme of like golf history and whatnot, it wouldn't really do much for him. It's like he needs to just he needs to start kicking off major championships. So I I, I agree. I could see that. I feel like it's a no brainer that he's going to be up there. He's going to be uh, in contention. He's going to be on the leaderboard, which again is exciting. I fucking love watching Rory McIlroy play golf. It's great. Um, in terms of the actual tournament, it gets spoken about a lot when this thing comes around, but. It's in anybody's guess who can win. It never seems to favor anybody. It's Pete Dye. Uh, you know, you get short hitters out there. Webb Simpson won. And you get, you know, absolute bombers like Rory, who's won it before. Uh, a few years ago when JT won there was one of my favorite experiences watching that tournament when he was hitting just hard rope draws, uh, high cuts. He's hitting all kinds of cool shots, being the shot maker that he is. So it just delivers some very memorable golf, I feel like. And like I said, it's kind of – a crapshoot in terms of a specific style that you're going to focus on going in. Last year was all about the weather. There was like a day and a half or two days off. Oh, it was, when they it came was back, crazy. It Monday was finish, yeah. Severe wins. It was severe wins when they came back, like borderline unplayable on 17. Everybody was hitting it in the water. Forecast this year looks good. Uh, looks like it's going to be high 60s, low 70s. I think I saw last I looked Friday morning, it's like 30% chance of rain, but it didn't look like much more precipitation throughout the whole thing so we're going to get into the barstool sportsbook and how great that is kirk and i are recording a show that's going to go out or we're doing a show wednesday it's going to be our first iteration of the barstool sportsbook golf gambling show that doesn't have a name i believe at this point um so we're going to get more into the picks now but we are going to do the for the cut on this show um my point in saying all that is for people that are going to make you know uh wagers all that forecast is key in that and if you're trying to focus on a certain playing type it traditionally at a at um, at Sawgrass doesn't really favor anybody in particular. Yeah, no, it's it's a golf course that, like you said, everybody is one on, which I think is you know one mark of a good golf course, right? Like you, you want you don't want yeah, half the field to feel like they have no chance. It's very very rare that it happens. Um, no, I'm just I'm just excited for the week. I feel like if Rom wins, it's like is he going to have an all time win? You know, is he going to have an all time year where he just wins everything? You know, it, it feels like. The for the cut bet, by the way, we got to talk about is like going to be a dying breed next year because there's not going to be that many events with cuts. Um, but it's it's an interesting time for the players True. championship because it's like with the elevated events next year and this year and they've all feel so so huge. It, this doesn't feel as different from other events as it has before, if that makes sense. Like with, I think with the API yeah. last year, last week and how big that was, you know, the players used to stand alone as like. All right, this is the first really, really big event. It feels like we've had three of those in the last four weeks. Yeah, I didn't really think about that, but I think you're right. Like, I think I, we just saw everybody play. We pretty much just saw the top players in the world. 
This episode is brought to you by Whoop, the official fitness wearable of the PGA Tour. I'm uh, feeling better today after a pretty decent night's sleep last night. Um, I will say that amazingly throughout the weekend that we had at the Dadbot Classic, which again, we'll talk about a lot on Thursday show when the whole squad is back. A lot of my metrics were pretty good throughout the yeah, whole I was, weekend. We I was going to ask, was that like a like. bingy week or was that more, I mean, were you going after it or what? Yeah, I mean it's definitely a um it's definitely an aggressive week. It's not a gr- it's not a crew completely comprised of like aggressive drinkers. So what what happens when you get a crew like that is like everyone just kind of fuels everyone else and you never really slow down. Which again, this group is a a little bit of a mix. Probably a handful of us that that really like to drink. They're going to have cocktails from like when we wake up until we go to sleep. But very few people were pushing to go to a bar late night or anything like that. So you actually get a decent amount of sleep. So even if you didn't treat your body particularly well, you learn through the Whoop app and through using Whoop like I have for years now that if you do just get a pretty good, consistent night sleep, even if everything's not perfect, yes, the alcohol is going to hurt you. That's incredibly, that's so much uh, more helpful than if you do the same thing and you just don't get that much sleep, your body has no chance. And so my metrics were actually decent, like I said, for such a big week at the Dad by Classic this past week. 87% of Whoop members say they feel healthier with Whoop. With everything from personalized recommendations to sleep coaching, Whoop uses data to provide you with the steps you need to take uh, to maintain positive routines and build healthier habits. The new Whoop 4.0, it's sleek, it's great. It's the official witness, uh, fitness wearable of the PGA Tour. Big week for the PGA Tour. So go on over to Whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com. Use the code 4 to save 10% off your order. Uh, the designated events, big announcement last week from the tour that uh, those will have no cut and they'll be limited fields. There'll be, I believe, 70 to 78 players, depending on the event. Uh, they're going to have massive purses and they will have no cuts. Now, the obvious, the quick sort of comment from that is like, hmm, the PGA Tour and a lot of people that have been chirping on the PGA Tour's side, um, Tiger Woods included, uh, one of their big negatives was like that format and what they're doing over at Live is not championship tournament level top tier golf. It's 54 holes. It has no cut. That's not my world-class golf. That's not uh, my top tier tournaments. That just ain't it, Chief. Here comes the PGA Tour. No cut. Limited fields. Um, And people were clearly calling that a little bit hypocritical. One guy in particular, James Hahn, who has been going on um, a rampage, he, uh, he said he was asked, uh, by Golf Week about, you know, the changes and the designated events and the reaction. He said, I, I hate them. Uh, I'm going to say exactly what 99.9% of fans said about players leaving for the live tour, which is that uh, if our players just said, we're doing this purely for the money, uh, I would have a lot of respect for them, but how they're covering it up and what they're doing and trying to make it a thing about sponsors and fans and saving opposite fields event. I think that's all bullshit. Uh, all the big names that are talking about this new product, if you just come out and said, hey, we're doing this for the money, they want more guaranteed money, and this is another way to funnel more money to the top players in the world, I would have a lot more respect for them. I bring these comments up because I think a lot of people probably agree with that sentiment of like the guy, the top guys in golf are pretty po- positive about this because the top guys in golf are guaranteeing that they're just going to make a lot more money now. 
but but the top guys in golf, I mean, those they're the best players. It's it's not like there's a closed group where it's like, oh, these are the top. And this year, I will say, like the PIP, and he had a point where he said, oh, the player impact program, like that. I agree. I'm not a huge fan of the player impact program, but the guys who are going to be in this event, in these events, are the guys who have earned their way in there with their play in any walk of life. The people who are best at their job have more leverage and get paid better. And these, this is not a closed shop. So I, I'm fine with the limited events. I, I actually think I listened to Peter Malnati, uh, do a couple podcast interviews where he explained that basically what they were saying is they ran thousands of simulations and, and what they determined was, you know, if you make these events 120 players, basically those guys from 70 to 120 won't play the, the non-designated events because they'll just play the designated events. Whereas now, you don't have them in those guys are going to have to play which is going to lead to better fields i get it and i don't have a problem with it because like i said everything is earned there's there's no if you play shitty you're not going to be in those events and if you're playing well you're going to be in those events so i don't really have sympathy for the james hans of the world who are like oh what about well you know you don't want to say play better because it's become almost like a caricature but at the same time it's like the best players are the best players for a reason and they get paid more like that's the 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 rank and file PGA Tour player has has probably had it a little bit too good compared to the stars for a long time, and that's changing now. But I I don't really have a problem with it because it's still that meritocratic piece. They still they got there with their play. Yeah, that was Scotty Scheffler. That was one of his big points. Was that he believes it's a meritocracy, and that that is true. And one of the big key differences is you know live the Pat Perez example. Pat Perez, big friend of the program, love Pat Perez. Still talk to him. He. uh you know, he last year on Live played pretty poorly overall and made a shit ton of money because obviously out, outside of his guarantee or his signing bonus or whatever that was, he's on the Aces, the four Aces, I believe is the team that he's on uh, with DJ and they won all the time. So he would come in with some pretty poor scores relative to everybody else, but his poor play wouldn't get him outside of the top X in the world so that he would miss these events. He's in the events because he's part of Live. He's on a team that's really good. So even if he played poorly, he played just well enough to get his team or help his team occasionally. Sometimes they get to the point where they would win and he would get like an extra million or couple million dollar bonus every week because they were continued to win. And that's not necessarily a meritocracy where as one of the key differences in this is obviously that it's the best players are the ones that get into these events. And by earning the highest percentages and parts of those big prize pools, you're playing the best. And therefore, you're going to earn that. And even if you, you know, finish last in one of these events that are no cut, um, so you're guaranteed X amount of money, you played well enough to get into that event. And if you continue to play poorly, you'll play yourself out of these events and you won't be able to get in them in the future, which is a key difference. One of Max Homa's big points last week when he was asked about it, he said he could rant forever. Um, and again, he was incredibly measured and thought out um, in his in his talking about it like he always is. But he said, basically, look, we're a product and we need to be very smart and careful about the presentation value and the quality of our product. That product being the entertainment of the PGA Tour and professional golf on the highest level. And that product is the best when all of the best players and all the best stars show up to the same events and play throughout the entire week. Um, And I think that's an incredibly important point where, like, I, I think. Those leaderboards like we got last week, when people do tune in, myself included, and you see, you know, Rory and Spieth and Scheffler up there in a leaderboard, 
that is infinitely more compelling and more exciting. And if that's going to happen more often by doing it this way, that's just better for the overall entertainment product of the PGA Tour. I, I yes, I agree with this, with the the limited you know field size. I just think they they shouldn't have gotten rid of the cut. I, I don't see what keeping the cut really how that impacts it because again the stars don't miss cuts. That's that's why they're the stars. And like I just think, yeah, but what are you going to cut it from seventy to thirty? Like what do you you know what I'm saying forty and like, that forty in ties. Weird. I mean the masters the masters goes from like eighty eight players or ninety players to fifty in ties. Yeah, you go from seventy five to forty in ties. I just think like. I think back to those WGCs and how soulless some of those Saturday and Sunday rounds are where the guys are a million off the lead and they're playing just for cash. And that's just not – and I, I, I don't think that the benefit of having the guarantee of the stars who, again, don't miss cuts that often because that, they're the stars. I don't think that that should have been enough for the tour to sacrifice this piece. But like you said, the cut was something that was in the beginning of live. That was something they talked about, like oh, no cut. I mean, that's not a real thing. Tiger Woods. And I, you know, I've said this a bunch this week, but it's, it's very impactful. You know, when he was asked at his hall of fame induction ceremony, what's the record that you're most proud of? You guys set all the records in the world. He said, my cut streak, my cut streak, because some days you're not going to have it. You're going to be on the wrong side of the draw. You're going to get a terrible bounce. But for six years, I was better than half my peers every single week i just don't understand why like narratively or symbolically they would go away with that and that's where i think james hunt does have a point like that part of the no cut just kind of feels like they want a guaranteed payday yeah i i agree with that i i mean i think that's a good point i um you know i i think that's probably where the the merits of him being like that's a little bit bs what they're saying uh probably carries the most weight in that you know, you're not going to drive a ton of interest in the event. Like the only guy that it's like, what's what's if anything, there should be like a Tiger Woods can't miss the cut clause. <laughs> you know, I actually than just think that, that would of, be the most well-received thing that the PJ Tour's ever done. Like uh, if Tiger's going to be in the event, he's guaranteed to play all four rounds, even if he shoots 90 both days. I think everybody would agree with that. But them trying to stretch that out to like – anybody else on the PGA tour and it having a similar effect to the overall success of the event and compellingness the compelling nature of the event Saturday and Sunday is just probably not true. And I think that's probably one of James Hunt's main points is that like, uh, no, you're just doing it for the money, grab the guaranteed money for these guys. Um, which if you really want that, like just play better or, or the cliche is a meritocracy, but I could understand a tiger woods just is not allowed to miss a cut clause. I could completely understand that where it's like, if this man agrees to play in the event, he's guaranteed four rounds, but nobody else is. It's kind of be the version of like hanging, like, you know, retiring somebody's number in the NHL. You hang Wayne Gretzky's 99 in the rafters. Nobody's ever allowed to be 99. It's like Tiger Woods, if he plays at a PJ Tour event, once you reach a certain level of whatever the hell it is, certain number of wins, whatever you want to call it, if anybody wins more than 80 events at this point in the history of golf, Tiger gets grandfathered in. They could just play in any tournament, and they're guaranteed to make the cut. I would like that more than I would like uh, this whole provision of them doing a lot of events now, by the way, like a lot throughout the year that are just not going to have cuts. The ma the majority, I think that the top players next year are going to play like 20 times. And I think I did the like 11 of those have no cut. And so, you know, we're moving toward a model that kind of reminds me of tennis and tennis. Basically, they only play best of five sets in the majors. And so every other tournament feels a little fakakta because it's not best of five. It's like if a guy beats Rafa Nadal, 
in best of three sets, it doesn't carry nearly the same weight as if he beats him in a major in a best of five. And so we're moving toward golf is moved toward no, no cuts. It kind of reminds me of like the ATP tour. It's just kind of a, actually a pretty similar situation to, to golf where the, the tour doesn't own the majors. And so the tour has these events. They're called Masters 1000 events, and they have more money and they're in cool places and they have history. And it's nice when people win them, but it's not it's not that same format. And I just I don't know, like. We're, we're in a couple of years. It's going to be like these weeks where there's 150 players and there's a cut. Like those are going to feel like throwback weeks, which is kind of strange. Yeah, and those are going to be what, like the Pebble Tournament? Is that going to be one that's like that? Like those are going to be. No, I'm saying AT and T. None, none of the the only time that the PGA Tour players are going to play full field events against top fields is the majors and the players. That's it. Right. Because if they're playing a full field event that has a cut, it's not going to have all the top players. And if they're playing an event with a full field with the top players, it's not going to have a cut. Yeah. So I'm trying to think like the tournaments that are going to be old school, but without any of the top players are going to be like the Pebble AT&T. And I think what they're going to try to plan now, right, to rotate them around the designatedness of the events. Is that kind of the plan? Yeah, which I also don't think is is a awesome thing for the fan it's just like for the casual fan i think they need to know oh we're playing this is pebble week that's a that's a big one to try to keep up with oh who's in the field is this designated this year is this designated that year i i just don't think that that's that's the best thing but again there's there's sponsors it's very complicated the tour has so many different parties that it needs to please sponsors you know at the end of the day maybe the sponsors are saying you know what I want the guarantee that they're going to be here all four weeks. We have the twenty million dollars or twenty five million dollars. We're the one who's paying for it, so this is what it's going to be. That that could like very possibly be the situation, just from a fan perspective. And I, you know, people we like to bet on who's going to make the cut. A lot of people like to bet on who's going to make the cut. I just think like you know, we had tournaments that were seventy five players where the be- all the best guys played, and no, and there was no cut, and it kind of the, the WGCs for ten years, whatever it was, and they kind of sucked. Yeah, they weren't. They didn't resonate. Nobody cared if it was really like the only the only time I remember them being that important was when Tiger Woods played them and won them all the time. But that's because Tiger Woods was playing. It wasn't like anything particularly exciting, and it never to me seemed, you know, they'd be like, "Oh, this guy's won X amount of WGCs." I'd be like, "I don't care." Like, okay, he's won like his, how many PGA Tour events? That's all I care about. So you're right. I don't think they ever really got to that point um, where they stuck out, and it is. Very tricky at this point for the PGA Tour, in my opinion, to uh, to navigate a situation where they clearly have a product that I think about 10 or 12 weeks of the year, if done properly, can be great. Where you get the best players together at courses that people know, that they remember, um, that they, after watching for decades... Uh, become acclimated with the finish in the back nine. And Bay Hill is one of those because you've seen Tiger Woods mostly like win there fucking eight times and take off and rip off his hat and make the putt that Rory missed. And like, you've seen that a million times and you become accustomed to like, this is a big week now. And again, it used to just be the weeks that Tiger Woods played were the big weeks. He played Torrey Pines. He played Bay Hill. He played like certain events. And when he played, he played Firestone. He played like when he played those, those were just big events. And now they're trying to come up with other ways and I think that they have a product that could 12 or so weeks out of the year be a phenomenal product where, like I'm saying, you get the best players together at courses that people remember. The problem is they have like 40 something weeks that they have to like keep everybody happy. And that's just not sustainable 
at the highest level of entertainment. It does get watered down. There's really not much that they can do about that. And the rest of the year, I think they're going to have to pretty much accept that like they're only going to be able to attract the hardcore golf fan that's really going to watch that, that's going to watch the end of the Honda Classic um, like we did, which was great. I honestly thought that was great. That was compelling. Those storylines, people trying to break through and seeing new names up there and hearing all about their uh, their their journey and seeing their family members out there like, that was great down the stretch for new people, but that's pretty much only going to draw in the hardcore golf fan. And the only time you're really going to be a mainstream, like top sport and even come close to driving that kind of attention is going to be the majors and another six weeks or something like that on the PGA tour. And that's actually kind of what they're going towards. But I think like you said, I don't know they're going to be as successful to the fan if they alternate that thing around, because it's like, no, you need to have the staple courses weeks. This comes after, you know, March madness or whatever, when there's a hole in the schedule. And if they keep moving them around, I think it's going to lose some of the ability to have those giant, like 10 or 12 weeks a year. I completely agree. I also think the Honda classic really lucked out. It was a genuinely compelling finish, but there's going to be an event this year, a non-designated event that Denny McCarthy wins by four shots and it's a complete snooze. And so my question is for you, do you think in 30 years will the PJ tour will still have this 40 event structure where they have all these tournaments that aren't the biggest tournaments? Because it feels like live and, and, and even Jay Monahan would probably, if he would have come on the show, we'd love to have you Jay. Um, if he would love to, if you would Put ask him, him did live, if it did week notice, <laughs> He's got to got to go through both houses of Congress for that one. Um, if you shine, yeah, I mean, you do. <laughs> this has shined a light on the PJ Tour product. It's been like it, it's a little bit of like a dog eat dog. Like okay, we got to really look at this thing. And I just don't know that from an economic standpoint, those other tournaments they're amazing what they do for their charities, but for the business of the PJ Tour, is that sustainable? Is it sustainable to have those thirty non designated events? I, I don't know. And everyone keeps pointing to the Honda as evidence that they can succeed. The Honda was like a great finish. Like you can't count on that happening every time. No, you can't. And you're right. That is like those tournaments are just going to suffer dramatically when that happens, you know, 10 times a year or eight times a year when you have an event that doesn't have the big stars in it. Um, isn't that like a notoriously famous golf course? Doesn't have a compelling finish or leaderboard. And people have basically no reason to watch it unless you gambled on it or unless you're a hard, hardcore golf fan. So I do think that the gambling thing is going to be a huge reason or huge way that they can try to continue to garner interest, even if they don't have the big stars. Um, it's the same reason, I, you know, I'm locked into the Edmonton Oilers Buffalo Sabres game right now. Um, our guy, Alex Bush, it's like, you know, you decide you gamble on a game, you fire up the Barstool Sportsbook. I do think that's a way that they could continue to be um, compelling because, you know, or, or try to go in a different direction, I guess, in, in how they drive interest in their sport is to hammer that and to be able to get, you know, interesting, unique things in the in the gambling world that people hammer in golf. And I mean, look what look what fantasy football did for the NFL. We talk a lot about how. The MLB used to be kind of the king in 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 the U.S. especially. Um, and NFL got to the point where they just weren't even playing 
um, World Series games on certain days because NFL now owns multiple days of the week. And that's how dominant they were. People could go back to, obviously, the way the NFL has managed their league over the last 20 years. But fantasy football has been an enormous part of that where people have to watch, you know, games because they got to watch their guys. They're locked into fantasy football. They've been in the league for 20 years now. If golf could finagle some sort of, um, you know, something that's consistent, that's simple, that's different than it's been thus far in the gambling space in golf, you know, I do think they can continue or or at least somehow figure out how to get a lot of um, interest in tournaments that don't have the biggest stars. But outside of that, I really don't know how they have a path going forward that's going to make it 40-something weeks of the year a truly compelling product. Not to get all parental, but it's time we had the talk, Dan. You know, the one about that three-letter word that ends in X. Not the one you're thinking about. Oh, it's not. It's not. Okay. Yeah, we're talking about a tux. So don't go in that dark, dirty place you're thinking about going. All right. When you need a tux, the best place to go to get one is the black tux. The black tux makes it super easy to get an on trend, top quality, guaranteed to fit tux without ever leaving your house. Here's how it works. Take the black tux fit quiz, pick the style you want to rock, and boom, your tux is delivered to your door 10 days before the day that you need it. That's plenty of time to try it on. Make sure it wears you well, and if it fits not quite right, say hello to the Black Tux Fit Guarantee. Order a better size within a day or two of receiving the original one, and they'll send another tux right away at no extra cost. And if you prefer an in-store experience, the Black Tux has showrooms across the country. Their expert fit specialists will help you find the perfect style tux or suit and make sure it fits just right. I'm going to be using the Black Tux when I go to Frankie's wedding. Dan's got a wedding this year, later this year. The Black Tux, you got to be. There's going to be you know, people with these things that are profiled. They're probably going to be putting out videos and pictures. You got to make sure you're dialed in and looking good. The Black Tux is going to help you do that. So I'm a big proponent of these guys and making sure that I look good and sharp and have the right tux for this summer. Rent or buy, the Black Tux is the place to go when you need a tuxedo for a wedding or special night right now when you go to theblacktux.com slash four and use code four, you'll save $20 off your order. That is T-H-E-B-L-A-C-K-T-U-X.com slash four, code four to save $20, theblacktux.com slash four. Use the code four. Homa, uh, he did an interview after where I saw some quotes where he was basically saying like, Look, Liv has, Liv has good ideas. They definitely have some good ideas and they benefit from starting from a blank slate. If you were starting the PJ tour from a blank slate, it would look nothing like it looks today. I mean, it, it's, but again, you know, part of that, that how it's developed and the, and the quirks and the intricacies and the tournaments that really mean a lot to the local communities and how they have those history. That's part of the PJ tours appeal. But if you got a bunch of consultants into a room and said, let's create a golf product, it would, probably look more like a live product where it's you're going to have these 12 events you have the same players so it's it, you're right they, they are fighting a, a battle between trying to compete with this new enemy and make it as as but they can't they can't completely bail on what got them there and so it, yeah it's uh, you know again we're, we're just still in the middle of this thing man it's, it's everything's still changing we still haven't we haven't even got to 
a live player wanting to come back. And that's going to happen soon enough. I mean, we're just in the middle of a, we're going to look back on this time in 20 years and be like, that was the most batshit five years of all time. Dude, I was catching up on uh, the latest, the newest drive to survive formula one, uh, 2022 season on Netflix. And there's maybe nothing uh, better in the dramas of sports than Formula One teams and the dichotomy between their A driver and their B driver. And the fact that they drive the same exact car and one of them just drives it better than the other. And when the <laughs> yeah. other drives it like shit for a long enough time, then that team forces that person out to the point where sometimes they just like tweet about the fact that they're like hired or not hired. They, they signed one of the other drivers from the other team. And it did, you know, it did make me think like, how can we get the dramas going in golf a little bit more when Bryson and Brooks as shitty as that actually was and how like, and, and how like bully ish that actually was in a lot of it um, that drove the drama in golf in a big way. And Bryson himself drove the drama in golf in a big way, being this just completely different kind of preposterous personality uh, and his approach to the entire thing. And if, you know, if I, I was trying to think about like, if, if there was this drama about, you know, if Dustin Johnson on his team and live forced one of their guys out and signed somebody new, like if it was as big as formula one, there could be some drama around that. Obviously that's not going to happen overnight. That's not going to happen. Now we all laugh at it now and the mascots and all that. But if there was some element of that in the world of golf, could that drive? drama going forward or interest they or took live took all the controversial guys they took they took bryson they took brooks they took patrick reed i mean they took the lightning rods it's and it's it's probably not a coincidence right like those personalities probably felt shafted by the pga tour but like it feels like the only spice we get now is tyrell hatton bitching about the golf course you know what i mean like everyone all the stars are just super nice we just talked to kurt and you're like hey he's what a nice guy that's that's the that's what you get with the pga tour these days a bunch of really nice dudes because i feel like a lot of the big characters did go to live it makes you think too that now that you said that, I've not thought about this before, but the the fact that all the controversial guys that get fed up with pretty much everything are all at live, we're not going to have to go that much longer before they start getting incredibly fed up with live, right? Like those people don't just. I don't know, man. I don't think they're going to cross happy. those Saudis. I don't think they're going to piss off MBS. That's a different level Dude, of, those of people risk. People are never happy. The type of people that bitch about every, they kind of stir up controversy everywhere that they go. It's like when somebody that's been to like four different jobs is a problem at every job. And then that like fifth job, they're like, Oh yeah, this is this new opportunity. Like within a year or two, they're, they're stirring up drama. And kind of like we're not too far away. In my opinion, from these guys that live are going to start bitching about the way this is handled or that they're not going to stay happy forever. There are all the dramatic controversial guys at the tour. Like you just said, those people don't just go somewhere and instantly become happy with every facet of life. No chance. I don't know. They did get paid like a hundred million dollars and sign a contract that says they have they can't say anything. But they've signed a contract that said they can't say anything basically that denigrates the league in public. That's that's a contract. And if they do that, they the contract can be voided. They can you know if they don't if they don't promote the league on social media, you know these details of the contracts have come out. So I don't know. I think it's different. I think the PGA Tour for like as much as people like to hate it on it, they would let them hate on it, right? They would like. Patrick Reed would say stuff and or Brooks would say stuff and nothing would happen. They've lost that control now. They've they've been rewarded handsomely for it financially, but they have lost that they've lost the autonomy to bitch, so to speak. 
I didn't realize they couldn't even. They're like contractually obligated to not say negative things about the live tour. Bro, they. I mean, we've been talking about this, and you know, not not to tease anything out, but like we're you know, we've been talking about interview. I mean, they have to get every interview approved. It's it's like you know, it's like if a if a player in a, on a team on a football team, you know, they could be suspended for the team from co- for conduct detrimental to the team. It's this. It's the same idea. That's so wild to me to think about that. But I mean, I guess, I mean, it obviously makes sense. Something that I'm sure we were very much believing that that was occurring. Uh, when we first started talking about live a year ago before Dan was even on the show, but to hear that it's actually and see that it's actually in there is pretty preposterous thing. Um, I it was mentioning gambling earlier. I do want to get to the for the cut. We got to do this um, because it's a big week. We've come up. So amazingly, we have, I believe, We've won three weeks in the four weeks that we've lost. I think we only had one guy out of the four that missed the cut in all of those weeks. I don't think we've had a. I don't think we've had a week where it's been. We definitely haven't had a week where more, most of the guys missed it. I don't think we've had one where two missed it. I don't think we have either. Uh, for the cut is back. Last week, I think we had all three guys um, made the cut except uh, Brian Harmon, who I think finished tied for last with our very own Kevin Kisner. They were both like uh, 13 over par or something, I think, through two rounds of golf. Uh, Kiz actually texted me, and he's like, uh, I'm watching this Billy Horschel video, and he goes, your game looks a lot like mine. We should pick up a different sport. I think he texted me, and I I was, you know, we were at the Dabout Classic. I wasn't that plugged into the leaderboard at the time, so I looked, and he, yeah, I think he shot like 80 that day and was 13 over for the week. Um, but we still are very much up. We're still knocking at the door of this for the cut bet every single week. We're right there. I have, I believe, a 7-0 and record thus far in picking guys to make the cut. And before people would say, oh, you pick, I did pick uh, Doug Gim in there who hadn't made like that four was That was a Houdini and a few others. Right there. And I've picked a few favorites or, you know, big guys, but I've picked a few wild cards as well. Um, overall, everybody has a winning record now. Frankie is 6-1. and one. Trent is 6-1. and one. Dan is 4-3. and three. We're back on the four the cut this week. Frankie and Trent submitted theirs. Frank Borelli the third went with Keith Mitchell, which I think is a great choice. Uh, and then Trent Ryan from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, went with uh, Billy Horschel. Very topical. Obviously, Billy Horschel is in our, our latest YouTube video, which people should go out and check. Very dramatic scramble match at TBC Sawgrass. 17th hole, the whole deal. You're going to want to go check that puppy out on YouTube. Um, and we're obviously going to be highlighting that throughout the week. We're wearing our cool players' hats in that match, um, which might have propelled some of our good shots. But Billy Horschel, Keith Mitchell, I'm going to go. Um, well, I'll go to Dan Rappaport first before I go to myself. Dan, who's your pick this week on the For the Cut bet? My pick for this week is Harris English. Uh, finished second last week. He's a guy who's missed a bunch of cuts in the last couple of months he's coming back from hip surgery but this guy when he's playing is one of the flushiest flushers on the pga tour remember 2021 made the Ryder cup team was ruthlessly consistent that week feels comfortable obviously in florida coming off good vibes just a flusher of the golf ball it's going to keep it out of the water all week harris english is the pick i'm looking it up right now that keith mitchell is plus five thousand um to win so i'm trying to give people a little bit of an idea of uh of you know what what our favorite oh Harris English is plus nine thousand. So he's ninety to one, which is again gonna help. We want people that are we want people that are um 
that are obviously a bit of long shots to get those boosts up. We had an eight plus eight twenty five hit one week. That's what we're looking for. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that's also plus nine thousand to win, which is Adam Scott. Adam Scott, I believe, has not missed a cut since the PGA Championship last year. Uh, he's played well thus far this year. He's made. He's played in uh, four events. Century uh, didn't have a cut, but the other three, he obviously made the cut. Um, past champion here also has a very nice golf swing that people might like. So if you're trying to avoid the water and the Pete Dye and the crazy lies, but you're standing with one foot in and out of bunkers and on a fucking weird hills and all kinds of shit that you got to deal with, you might want to be a ball striker with a great golf swing. So I'm going with Adam Scott. So for those at home that are counting or calculating or whatever, uh, the four picks are Keith Mitchell, Billy Horschel, Harris English, Adam Scott. You're going to go to the Barstool Sportsbook. It's a great app. You're going to want to use that puppy. You're going to go to uh, exclusives, and then you're going to want to go to uh, more bets with Barstool, more odd boosts, whatever it might be on the bottom right, and then you will see the for the cut bet. Uh, I also saw that the hole-in-one bet is back this week uh, for hey. TBC Zawgrass, mm-hmm. which I like. For those that don't know, we discussed it a little bit, but we were red hot with the hole-in-one bet. Me and Trent were all over it. It was a great time. Started after the century when Dan said no chance we take the hole in one bet at the century. It did not hit, but then the next week it did hit. Um, turns out that it's like a crazy uh, thing to get the odds right. So a lot of books don't carry it every week. So that's why the hole in one bet lost a bit of a, a momentum. But for the players' championship, it's back. Obviously, obviously, 17th hole at Sawgrass. You're really going to be thinking those front pin locations. They probably only give us one. I would imagine the front pin where they can spin it off the hill and those balls have a good chance to go in. Uh, that's going to be a huge moment for us uh, that are going to take the home one bet. But I saw on the Barstool Sportsbook, it's minus 186. Yes. So it's a big favorite. Uh, plus 130. No. A reminder for the Barstool Sportsbook that you can get all kinds of uh, live in-game bets and odds. You can move the line with teasers. You can uh, parlay a bet within the same game or across different sports. Easy to navigate and use the app. Data and content to keep you informed. Um, An easy and secure registration. More ways to deposit and withdraw. You can download the Barstool Sportsbook app today. Use the code FOUR, that's F-O-R-E, to create an account. You get a $1,000 new player bonus. If your first bet loses, get up to $1,000 in bonus cash. Must be 21+. plus. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And I believe March 10th is when the Barstool Sportsbook goes live in the state of Massachusetts, um, which is a huge announcement. So I believe March 10th, um, which will obviously be later this week during the Players' Championship. Um, I'm excited to see what those odds are for the for the bet. I'm not exactly sure what those will come in at. Um, and then I saw another prop bet in the Barstool Sportsbook. And Albatross was plus 800 for this week, uh, that there could be an Albatross. Again, you'd really be, I think, if you're root, if you're if you're on the albatross train, I think you'd have to rely on maybe the sixth the sixteenth hole. And when they do one of those like middle right pins where you can hit one and then it comes off that hill and rolls into the hole, I feel like I've saw somebody get, do that before. Um, but the albatross, I might have to sprinkle a little bit on the albatross bet because if somebody does get an albatross at the tournament, I don't want to be the guy that didn't bet on it. Um, and then a lot of the odds for uh, top 20, top 40, all those types of things um, are not quite out yet. Uh, but next show, we're going to plug in mine and Kirk's uh, chit chat 
midweek. Uh, we're going to plug that into Thursday's show. And we also have a special guest on Thursday's show, which is the reigning United States Open champion and a fellow um, co- uh, a fellow collegiate classmate for like four seconds of Dan Rappaport. That is right. Yeah, we uh, we went over to his rental house. Beautiful house right on the beach, man. Life must be... Life must be really good to be the U.S. Open champion. It was like one of those modern houses where it's basically all one big window. Uh, you could just see the beach at all times. They, they know what the moneymaker is there. It's, it's the view, and so they lean into it. We went over there, did a podcast interview, also filmed something else that people will eventually see that I, you know, we've been cooking up that I'm really excited about. So, yeah, big week. Big week for the boys. Big week. I'm quite excited to get down there. Like I said at the beginning, off the top of the show, um, a lot of golf talk on this one because it's a big week. Uh, we don't really get this very often in the show where we get to just hammer away about this tournament and um, and different players and different holes and the excitement of it. I love watching people. Even like, dude, there's a lot of holes. Even like the ninth hole, that par five where there's a crazy dog leg around the hole, around the hill they have to hit, and you see guys occasionally go for it if they really pipe one or if the wind's right, and then they always end up, especially if they miss anywhere right or short right, with kind of a horrific like horrific. weird Pete die lie with like the roughs also awful and the hills are just enough that it's uncomfortable and awkward and you can't quite judge how it's going to come out you get all those throughout the entire tournament i eat that the one hole that's kind of the new one is it like um 12 on the back nine now yeah 12 they've screwed with it a bunch of times it's like driver but they can't really figure it out but i'm i'm jealous because you get the cool the really cool experience of ha- knowing every hole of a golf course and then getting to see it in person that's only really happened yeah. to me at augusta and pebble beach but you're getting that this week yeah i'm pumped to see it in tournament form i agree i think that hole that 12th hole they really haven't nailed yet because it's a it's in theory their latest iteration of it is very cool with the water all down the left and there's like a fairway bunker that runs all the way up to like 80 yards short of the green. Um, but it's so punishing that people don't really go for it, I feel like, that often, um, which would make it a lot more interesting. Uh, they can kind of hit it. It's like designed just on the safe edge enough that like guys can kind of hit a long, like I feel like they hit three wood or something, even just up short right and like hit a little flip chip, almost wedge into that green or something. Um, but 16, awesome, 17, awesome, 18, awesome, even 15. They had a crazy tee shot through like the trees. Um, the second hole, I love watching guys hit a huge draw off the tee and then try to hit like a cut into that green. It's just a fantastic golf course to watch. So I'm pumped for the players this week. Um, we got a big interview, like Wait, I said, I, coming I'm, up. I'm the right dumbest now. kid person. I'm the dumbest person of all time. You played TPC Sawgrass like three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, played it. So I've seen those holes before. Mm-hmm. That was a t- yeah. that's a tough moment. That's a video I, you can watch actually. You can watch. Well, you were saying first time, first uh, time, first time, and I'm thinking he hasn't been here. And then I'm like, no, I, I'm I'm pretty sure he's been here. <laughs> I've been there, but I haven't seen it in tournament form. So I'll give you that. I have not quite seen it in tournament form. So point is, I'm still pumped for that. Um, and then next show too, we'll have the whole squad back. We'll be able to go over this past weekend and everything. Have we'll be able to talk about the video with Billy Horschel and the shots that we did hit on seventeen and in other moments throughout playing TBC Sawgrass, which Dan just forgot that we did, but I was going to let it slide because we're trying to end the show. So thank you everybody for listening. I hope everybody enjoys Kurt Kitayama, uh, most recent winner on tour. And then uh, Thursday we've got Maddie Fitz and uh, and a whole lot more to get to. So um, go watch the YouTube video. If you're on site this week, say hello, go into the tent, buy Barstool Players Championship merchandise. It means a lot to us. It's doing well already. So if you're there earlier in the week, don't wait. Get in there. Buy some stuff because you might miss it later in the week. Hit it hard. Hit it hard. 
Uh, Drive Chip and Putt for Glory and PGA Tour 2K, the most authentic golf simulation game in the world. I don't think any any entity, any group of people has personally endorsed this game, PGA Tour 2K, more than foreplay. You can play as Tiger Woods. You can play coming up as the Barstool foreplay guys, whether you're new to the sport or you're an experienced golfer. Anyone can pick up a controller and experience the rush of piping a tee shot down the fairway, hearing the roar of the crowd after sinking a 50-foot putt or hoisting the highly coveted FedEx Cup and PGA Tour 2K. We've spoken a bunch about how realistic it is, about the phenomenal courses that are on there. Obviously, a bunch of courses that you see, one that's quite prominent this week, um, TBC Sawgrass on there, so you can go try your luck, try to play the course as best you possibly can, play it with Tiger Woods, play it with a bunch of people that you know, play it with a bunch of your favorite players. That's what 2K does. There's a lot of great gameplay online. There's society as well. We got our own. Um, there's tournaments that you can play in. So go buy PGA uh, Tour 2K23 now at PGATour.2K.com. That's PGATour.2K.com. And again, any golf video game that's got Tiger Woods in it where you can play as Tiger Woods, I think that's a no-brainer, and we all know that. So go get involved. Go over. Go check it out at PGATour.2K.com. One, one quick thing about 2K, their uh, their newest ambassador with that beautiful red square on his on his sleeve is Matt Fitzpatrick. So another synergy with the brand. Oh, wow. Wow. There you go. Who's coming up again on Thursday's show? People didn't know that already. So go check out PGA Tour 2K. See us on there. Play in our societies. Play in our tournaments. And uh, and get involved in 2K. What's going on, Kurt? Hey, how's it going? Doing well, man. How are you? You got to be doing great. Doing great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I pre- we... Uh, we appreciate the time. I imagine the last 24 hours have been crazy. It's been pretty hectic. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. No, we're pumped to have you. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll pretty much jump right in. I um, you know, I know you're busy. It's obviously Players Championship week, but we are joined by um, most recent winner on the PGA Tour. Uh, proud owner, I would say, of probably the swaggiest ball mark or marking of a golf ball <laughs> in the history of golf that I've ever seen on the 72nd hole where you marked it for about – a centimeter, which I love. Everybody understands why. But uh, Kurt Kitayama, welcome to the show for the first time, and congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited to be I was that. I was stunned that you marked it because I would have been nervous about like, what if you try to put it back and it goes in? Or like, did you ever think about why don't I just go and just knock it in? I mean, it was the closest I've ever seen someone mark a ball ever in history. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was it was kind of weird. Um, Victor was like, I think he wanted me to mark it, and then I when I marked it, and I was thinking when I went back to put it down, I was like. It's like I could. This thing could like fall in. <laughs> like if I if I put it too close, it's gonna fall in. And uh, but yeah, it was, it was a like a weird scenario. Yeah, and you know I I'm glad because I get uh, as a viewer right like you like that stage, and obviously that's a lot of the reason that it goes down. But I was with a group of like 20 guys at the time. We were kind of watching it finish up, and somebody was making the point of you don't want to take all the spotlight out and then have all the energy sucked out of the whole place for when these other guys are trying to putt because obviously their putts matter for a lot so it's probably the right mm-hmm. thing to do but i've never seen a ball marked that close and then everybody was debating the rule of like what if he what if he marks it goes to put it back and it just continues to fall into the hole what, what do you have any idea what happened then i think you just replace it and then you just play it from there because like once you've marked on the green like that's the spot and um nothing can really happen after that 
yeah, I just wasn't I wasn't sure we were debating and the, and going back and forth a bunch, but um, but yeah, it, it was it was it was clearly an interesting situation and one that you earned and one that us as fellow TaylorMade athlete guys were very excited about because the TaylorMade logo just sat right there and the camera zoomed in on it. And it, I think they got their money's worth right there for the contract and having you on the squad with the TaylorMade logo popping on TV. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I want to get in a little bit to your backstory because I it got a little bit of play here. But I mean, you you are sort of professional golf at its best, right? Like you you were someone who was not an all American. Uh, they called you the project, right? They, they were they were really yeah. they were really hammering that nickname on the broadcast. I don't know how often they actually called you the project, but they made it sound like that was your name was Project Kitayama. Uh, you played on absolutely every tour, basically known to man. What's the what's the craziest place? That you played a tournament because I'd imagine you've been to. I mean, how many countries have you been? Do you keep track of this stuff? Um, I haven't counted count in a while, but it's probably you know over twenty or thirty. You know, it's getting getting up there. Um, I don't know, probably like India or Bangladesh. Like Bangladesh, probably no one's really even heard of, um, <laughs> or would ever think of going to. <laughs> um, you know, when, you, when you're on the golf course there, there's this train that goes goes off and there's people literally sitting on top of it as on top by. of the train yeah, on top of the train yeah <laughs> it's wild yeah you didn't see that coming down the stretch at arnold palmer's bay hill club and lodge <laughs> did you no definitely not <laughs> yeah i uh i was texting with my friend alistair doherty who's a friend of the program and uh we were talking about he's obviously chico state you guys played have played some some golf at all the different tours and his mm -hmm. His term was just a pros pro. He was like, you are a pros pro through and through, <laughs> which I feel like is a great compliment. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, been through it all. <laughs> Feels like um, been everywhere. Just kind of, yeah. Speaking of been through it all, I mean, these last 24 hours, we kind of touched on the very, very, very beginning. But from when you win until now, it's uh, it, it talk me and walk me through a little bit of that because it's not like you just won and you got to go on vacation or soak it up. It's like, now you're at, you know, one of the biggest tournaments that you'll play uh, all year at the Players' Championship. So the last 24 hours have that, I imagine nothing's even really sank in because it's just been go, 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 go. Yeah, I mean, right after, you know, you sign a card and then you got all these interviews, you got a press conference, the awards ceremony, more interviews. Um, it's it's tactic. You just, you don't really have time to sit and relax. And finally, once you finish, we finally had, you know, sit in the locker room, um, kind of gathered our thoughts, hanging out with uh, my coach and um, trainer, Tucker and agent, and the locker room guys just hanging out. It's it's, it's nice. It's quiet. Um, and then even then we have dinner, and everyone's having a good time. But you know, when you finally do get your time alone and you're in the room and trying to get to sleep, I thought like through the whole thing, I would be drained and ready to just pass out and uh it was like the adrenaline was just still pumping like i couldn't fall asleep i i, I was doing everything i was up till like three until <laughs> i finally finally fell asleep yeah, it, it's it's such a um it's a career changing win i mean you know you, you were you already had your pga tour card and and you were you know you had a nice season last year i think a lot of there were some people who were like oh will this guy even be in the tournament next year? yeah he would he finished 41st in the fedex cup so you know you would have played your way in there even by next year's standards but i mean this is different now you you won a tournament and you beat rory mcelroy and jordan spieth and scotty scheffler uh to do it 
Is there a moment when you're where you kind of allow yourself, I don't know, down the stretch or or to just kind of appreciate all that you've been through and the journey that you've been through to take you to that moment, you know, because those are the ones you're dreaming about when you're playing golf next to a train that people are sitting on top of. Yeah, I mean, I got the chance to think about it really, you know, I marked that ball on the, on the last and, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, I can't mess this up. You know, I've kind of gone through and, you know, the, the losses that have come to, you know, being different. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty surreal. So the uh, the uh, the 72nd hole, um, how, you know, Rory had some comments yesterday talking about how he wished he had been leaderboard watching more because on the 14th hole he was too aggressive. There was a lot happening late with five, a handful of people tied for the lead, with, you know, Jordan Spieth and Rory, some huge names, Scotty up there. How, how was, was it tough at all to stay tuned in to – exactly where you stood or were you hawking it pretty good on exactly what you needed to do to get it done? You know, I made a turn. I knew I was down at least one and I got to 11. I saw a big scoreboard and I was down two. And I was like, I was like, man, like it's hard to make birdies. And so um, from there, I didn't really think about it until I got to the uh, 13th green. I could kind of see like a little bit of the scoreboard. And all of a sudden, I was like, it kind of looked like T1 was next to my name. And I was like, I was like, man, the people are dropping. Like, it's, they're, it's playing tough to the finishing stretch. And, uh, it's like, I got like a whole nother level of like alertness. I felt like, uh, you know, cause uh, you, I mean, you're still like grinding away, but then all of a sudden, you're like, you're thinking like, okay, I need to make birdies. And then all of a sudden, like, they're back at where you are. And, uh, then from there, you're like, you're like really looking at the leaderboard. You're like, what's going on? Like every every hole. Was the uh the line on seventeen was bold, you birdie seventeen. Was that the intended line on seventeen? No, it was it was left like at the that MasterCard logo and then trying to cut one in there. And it started by in you know, almost at the flag and, and cut over, but I knew I hit it solid and uh I had enough. Like if I hit it solid, I knew I had that cover. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just ended up perfectly. <laughs> you know, I think everyone kind of figured that after nine, you know, you'd be done because you were the the Davids to, to those Goliaths. You know, people didn't give you much of a chance. And then, and then you, you have that disaster in nine. Is that shot? Is that a shot you've struggled with before? Did that come out of nowhere? And then how were you able to, I don't know if it was a conversation with your caddy or what it might've been, to steady yourself and make those, you know, seven pars in a row or whatever it was and, and get that birdie on 17 to clinch it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was rattling cause it kind of came, it didn't feel like it was that bad of a shot. It was like a little toad. And I mean, if you're left of that bunker, you don't, there's not much room left of that bunker. Um, and so that's why I just, I, you know, went down to the three with the next shot. But when I was got up to the green and, had a chance to like settle down i i actually felt fine i didn't feel like i was losing it or like get really anxious and i still felt pretty calm and and that's kind of what i told the uh, tucker and he said he's like yeah you look at it he's like it's fine we'll we'll just get out you know you've been playing the back nine well so we'll just get after it there that's that's a really interesting that's a good thing for him to i mean that's a great thing for him to say like you look fine because it, it says to you that i see it in you i see that you're not rattled by this moment i imagine that mm -hmm. gave you some confidence yeah definitely it's like all right well i'm you know i'm feeling it and i look at like 
that's a good thing. Talk to me about Tucker a little bit because this is new. This is kind of a new uh, little partnership between the between the two of you. How did this whole thing develop? Uh, when Tucker was at Bandon, he's my brother carries up there too. So um, they got to know each other, and you know they've known each other for years. And uh, you know when the opportunity came that I was looking for someone at Phoenix, he called him up, and he happened to be be there at the same time. He was doing some stuff with his true aim ball marker and uh he didn't have any of his his stuff to, you know, make notes, but he was ready to go anyways. And he's like, let's just do uh Phoenix and Riv. And if you like me, then I'm ready to go. And uh you know, hit it off great. So we're going full time. It's funny that he gave – I like that he gave himself two weeks. He's like, don't – if things don't go great first week, <laughs> I, get, I get two weeks on this thing. He baked that well, in. Well, I was like, I was like, are you, uh, are you like, are you coming back full time? He's like, well, let's see if you like me first. <laughs> let's just do these two weeks. I love that. I mean, that's got to be – obviously, he's had success with Bryson and had success with Bryson at – uh, Bay Hill, it's got to be helpful, I would imagine, going in and being, you know, finding yourself, like you said, uh, you know, t- uh, tied for the lead. You see your T1 next to your name. It's got to be a, a, a comforting feeling to have someone like that at Bay Hill with that much experience that you could lean on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even, you know, through those bad shots, he's he, he stays calm like there's nothing, like nothing happens, um, which definitely gives you, you know, there's no panic in him. So there's no reason for me to panic. He still believes in you. And, uh, you know, it's easy to trust that. Truly with vodka, people are checking it out. They're looking at the Truly can. They're going, there's vodka in this? And the answer is yes. There's vodka in this. Try Truly Vodka Seltzer. The Barstool Classic kicked off today in Myrtle Beach. By all accounts, it went incredibly smoothly with one small exception of Frankie getting pulled over as they arrived on site, but he recovered. He sang a beautiful national anthem. I saw a walk-off putt at the Truly Putting Contest. I saw people having a fantastic time out there drinking these Trulys that are made with real fruit. They like to keep it real over it, Truly. That's why they use no artificial flavors or sweeteners made with premium vodka for a crisp, clean, and refreshing taste. Fewer calories, all 12-ounce cans have under 110 calories, which means plenty of refreshing flavor that won't weigh you down. Low sugar, every Truly Vodka Seltzer contains only 2 grams of sugar. You can find Truly Vodka Seltzers near you at trulyheartseltzer.com. A huge thanks to them coming in year five, five years in a row. They've been the title sponsor, the go-to, the key, the main sponsor of the Barstool Classic. And again, that puppy kicked off Myrtle Beach, one stop down, 24 stops uh, to go. I'm going to be at the Barstool Classic Monday, just outside of the Tampa area. I believe Sarasota, Florida um, is where the Monday Classic stops at. So I'll be there. I cannot wait to have myself a Truly. Can't wait to get involved again with the Trulies uh, with the real vodka. Um, so do yourself a favor. Go check out Truly Hard Seltzer near you at trulyhardseltzer.com. I know you live in, in Vegas. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I know you guys got a, a pretty good squad out there now. I know like Taylor Montgomery's out there who we had on the show. Mm-hmm. Colin Morikawa's out there. David Lipsky, who I know likes to get after it. Um, I texted Colin the other uh, yesterday and I said, you know, Kurt's 
like I'm really impressed. And he goes, very, very good. He's very, very good. So I would imagine that, you know, playing with all these guys a lot in Vegas and having beaten them probably helped you believe, like, I've done it before. Why why can't I do it on this stage? Talk to me a little bit about the, the Vegas golf scene that you guys have out there. We have a great crew. You know, we can get any game that we want and, you know, just a high-level competition, which is exactly what you want. Um, and it's fun. It's good fun because it challenges us, and but we still have a good time. And just gives me an opportunity to, like, keep learning from everyone because everyone does something really good. And um, it's nice because you have close enough friends where you can pick each other's brain. You know, it's not like you, like, you don't feel like you're competition, but you're like, you know, you still want the best for everyone. And so that's, that's like great about having that kind of group. Give me something where you've picked somebody's brain out there, right? I, I, Cause you hear that a little bit, especially when we get around the masters tournament, you start to hear tales of guys that played with old champions and they pick their brain about this and that. Mm-hmm. What's something that you've picked, you know, Morikawa or one of these guys, you know, brains over that that helped your game or, or that you just thought I should go out of my way and ask them about this or that? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, like for Lipsky, for example, like his, his chipping is unbelievable. Um, got special. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, just picking like what he's feeling like or like how's he hit it? How does how's he hit like that high spinner? And he kind of like shows you how to do it. And then you kind of try it out. You know, sometimes it, it's not a feeling that you actually like, and you're like, ah, maybe that's not for me. Um, and then, you know, just like Taylor's putting, like sometimes it, for him, it's you know, like, why is this so simple? But it's like not that easy to roll it like he rolls it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And so it's a lot. Like I think a lot of it's kind of like trial and error, and you take take little parts that feels good and, and helps your game. They they try to make it seem like you were the worst golfer of all time when you were a freshman. Like that that was the theme yesterday. Where you, I mean, you couldn't have been that bad. I mean, I was struggling to. I didn't. Well, I mean, in the fall, I didn't make the the playing squad at all, and uh, didn't qualify. Was hitting it left and right, <laughs> and then. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just like every year, it seemed like I got better just by you know working hard. It's just this guy. He's got perseverance, man. They did. I think. I like right away when I tuned in, the first thing I heard was like, this guy was the worst player on his college golf team. I was just like, well, that's a little, <laughs> they, I mean, they made it sound like you couldn't break 80 to save your life. Oh no, it wasn't that bad. You, know, you might've been hearing from my coach, you know, he exaggerated sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a broadcast, you know, it's entertainment. I get it. Uh, where's that, uh, where's that red cardigan at right now? Uh, it's in my suitcase. It's, you know, it's a little warm for it right now. <laughs> I love that thing. I love that thing. I will say it does. It looks it looks sneaky good on you. It's like not everybody can pull off a red cardigan. I thought you looked really pretty natural in that thing. Thanks. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't, you know, it's not typically my style, but I saw myself and I was like, maybe I'll wear this. <laughs> I think you got a rocket. Were you were you at? Did you go to the TPC Sawgrass at all today, or did you give yourself a little day off? Uh, yeah, I went for a little bit. I went to check in, and, and uh, you know, I got like a little bit of workout in and some recovery. I, I just every life. every person on the property telling you good job. Just thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's I a saw. Feeling, though. Yeah. I saw that the tour put out a really good video of you and Tucker arriving, and it was like I think Jordan drove by and rolled his window down and gave you like a congrats. I bet it's like your your greeting to every human went from like, "Hey man, good to see you, good luck," to everyone's just congratulating you, which has to be really cool. Yeah, it's uh, it 
it is really cool. It's like it feels like uh earned like another level of like respect, you know. It's like this guy, you know, earned it. But you know. You you did. That's a tournament that earned it. That changed your golf reputation for I mean you know, you win one of these designated events, all the top players are there, and you do it at Bay Hill, you do it the way that you did it. Yeah, it's like, and now you're top 20 in the world, which that's got to be, is that, I mean, is that sunk in yet, that you're one of the 20 best golfers on the planet? I know, that was pretty, okay, I, like, I didn't even think about it, but Tuck said something about it, and I was like, really? I was like, man, that's a huge jump. <laughs> Huge, it's pretty good. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty low. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta be happy about that. Uh, mm. Did you look at any? You said you know you're up. You, it's hard for you to even go to sleep. You're up till three. You look at any like highlights or any footage of yourself when you're just lying there trying to fall asleep? I got back to room like close to midnight and I just turned the golf on and it happened to be like the last four holes. And I was just watching. I was like, I was like, wow, this was a crazy finish. Everyone had good looks. I didn't realize Rory had like a, a really good look on 18, right? 10 feet on 18. Um, Sheffield was burning the edge. Steve was burning the edge. It was like a crazy finish. I didn't even know it was like really, I, you know, I knew I could solid score, but I didn't realize how, you know, close it could have been or like how, how much like close tighter was. Rory beat you in the fall, right? At CJ. Yeah. And you, and you got him back. Is Rory McIlroy versus Kurt Kitayama the rivalry that the PGA Tour needs? And is the mm-hmm. is the rubber match going to happen at Augusta National? Yeah, that'd be awesome. I, uh, it's uh, always a good, it's been a good battle with them, but I think I got to up the resume a little bit. <laughs> Come, <laughs> to myself with him. <laughs> yeah. he, still, he still got you by a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Do you uh do you like care at all what the other names are on the leaderboard? Does it does it affect you on the back nine or or your sort of I, I mean, imagine even the the groans when if a Rory misses are, are louder, or they're more palpable when it's players like that. You know, do you do you almost like elevate yourself because you're playing against you know some the biggest names in the world of golf? Does that change anything for you? I don't know. Maybe I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's like I, I mean, everyone's so good. It, it doesn't really matter. It's like when the leaderboard's like that, you you know you no, you're never gonna like get it. You know, no one's gonna give it to you. You're gonna have to go and get it. It doesn't matter who it is, and so, it, and especially with like a leaderboard like that. But I think anytime it's it's like it's close race like that, it you're gonna have to make the putt to to win. It's not like these guys are gonna make bogey like on the last three. Like it's gonna be a, you're gonna earn it. Was there any consideration to laying up on 18? Um, once I saw a lot. Once once I saw a line, I was comfortable with it. Um, not really. It was, it was all based off the lie, and I, I was able to get enough club on it. Yeah, because on TV, I mean, we haven't watched that tournament year after year after year. Sometimes people hit it over their left, and they don't even think about going for it. So I guess it was hard to tell in the coverage what exactly the lie looked like. Yeah, the lie was – I think I was I was watching, like, they're like, oh, that looks like a tough lie. But when I got up there, it was not that bad. Get my eight iron on it, and it was just going to play like a, a little jumper. So now that you're at now that you're at the uh, the players, what's this – What's this week look like? What's this preparation look like for you and Tuck? What's kind of your guys' routine in terms of getting familiar with the play in this? I believe for the first time playing. Yeah, the players, first time right? I was going to say, right? Yeah, first time. Um, I think, I mean, Tuck, he approaches it the same way every tournament. It's, you know, it's just another course. It doesn't matter. You know, he, he says the prep's always the same. We, you know, get our numbers. Um, he has, he has a pretty good game plan. Um, 
before we're before I even get on the course. And so there's nothing like my thought process is pretty simple, really. It's like he tells me what he thinks and um, usually it's pretty good. So we kind of roll with that. Yeah, everyone was seen to be talking about last week, the new designated event structure, how they're going to be only, you know, 70 players, top 50 guys. You're, you're into those now. So that's got to be a really good feeling. Just knowing that you got those eight events, no cut. You got a lot of checks coming your way. <laughs> yeah, it's a good feeling for sure. Um, I still don't even understand what's going on with, with the schedule. So, Well, you're going to have to become it. a little bit more attuned to that because you're in that tier now that where it actually matters. Yeah. So I'm still still adjusting to everything. It's funny. It's like a week ago. It's, it'd be very funny. Kurt's like against it. He's like, ah, I feel like there should be more players in this field. Now he's like, oh, 70 players, no cut. I love it. Great. <laughs> like, why aren't they telling us? Why aren't they telling us about all this? Oh, all right. Sounds good now. <laughs> Uh, so I saw the, um, I was listening to, I was watching live from earlier and they hit me with, I believe your career earnings of the PGA tour going into Bay Hill were 4.1 million and you won 3.6 million yesterday. I know a lot of it's about winning tournaments and prestige and all that, but pretty much doubling your, you know, your career earnings in a, in one week. That's got to just give you some serious freedom financially being like, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's something that was, I thought about after I was like, wow, that's, this is crazy. You know, <laughs> you know, see that much money. But I was also thinking like in the moment, how like that wasn't in my mind at all. It was, you know, like it's easy to think about that. Like you're playing for this much, but like in that moment, I was kind of like rethinking about it. Like I just was thinking about winning, and that's like all that came into my mind. And like it could, you could easily distract yourself from like the money coming into play, and then really getting like shaking yourself up and and getting nervous. Um, so that was that was cool. Just kind of something that I was thinking about. Yeah. Do you jot any notes down afterwards or anything about like, this is how I was able to feel this way in this moment or, or do you do anything like that? Um, I, I have, I have in the past, but you know, now that you say that, that's a great idea that I good idea, Rich. should do. Yeah. Let's get out a notepad. Let's do this together. Yeah. Let's take- <laughs> journal, you know, everyone's journaling these <laughs> days. You have it. a journal after the victories. Of course. Well, the only reason I thought as like when I play a really good round of golf, I was taught by a guy who gave me, you know, a lesson a couple of years ago of like when that happens, write down in your notes what what you were thinking about, whatever your swing thought was that day or whatever. And it really has helped when like you you lose it and your players like us that are pretty much weekend golfers, you play like a real asshole all of a sudden, you're like, I'll never figure it out again. You can go back through that occasionally and be like, that day, that is that swing thought. Sometimes it can really help. Yeah, definitely. I mean it's always good to recall and like this good stuff that happens and, and the bad, like why, you know, the thing was so good with Tuck is it's always like, if something bad happens, like why did that happen? Why did we hit it short? Was it the wind? Was it that I misjudged the, whatever the temperature weather, or did you hit it fat? And, and it's, you know, it's always like coming up with a solution for something. You get your first, a chance to play in a rather famous golf tournament in one month. Are you going to get to Augusta before the Masters? Do you think that's going to be when you learn everything? Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to go uh, Monday, Tuesday after this week. Oh, my God. So <laughs> the guy wins $3.6 million. He gets to the top 20 of the world rankings. 
And he's like, oh, yeah, Augusta. How did that come together? Were you just like, agent, get me to Augusta? Uh, well, when I when I got the invite, they say you get five five round practice rounds. And uh, so I was like, oh, this is perfect. I can go right after the the players and just, you know, just go. go tw- I'm going to play it twice and just play it like just normal. Don't even worry about anything. And then I haven't scheduled. I haven't scheduled any after that to see. You know, maybe I'll go talk and actually like think of, think around it. But I think just the first couple of times I'm just gonna enjoy myself. So they give you a handful before tournament week. Mm-hmm. Five, five. That's yeah. a lot. Five's a lot. That is a lot. It feels like. I mean, not that you don't deserve it, but it feels like you know they can <laughs> make that four and maybe give some other guys a <laughs> out there. Uh, that's great. So that just works out nicely that you you had already had that plan and then you win mm-hmm. and now it's going to really be nice going in there. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. You got to be. Have you played Augusta ever before? No, never. So this would be my first time. Played it on a video game or anything before? <laughs> I'll ask well, Watch the Masters tournament by chance once or twice. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, thir- thirteen's a par five, so yeah. fifteen. You're gonna, yeah, you're gonna try to hit draw it on thirteen. If you, just FYI, if you can. Uh, well, they move that tee back. They move that tee back. Yeah, you can yeah, hit your cut. To- you can hit your cutter. You're fine. That's true. <laughs> they did move that tee back. Um, I'm excited to see that. Amazing stuff, Kurt. It was really fun to watch um, uh, yesterday. That leaderboard, I think a lot of people looking at that back nine after what happened on the ninth hole probably weren't picking you. And and to kind of prevail through all that with some of those names and that iconic of an event and after people would think you'd be real and after the triple on nine and to come out and make the huge birdie on 17, pretty much made like a 50-footer, it felt like, on 18 and then had a really cool ball mark situation. So – incredibly impressive uh you're playing great golf the journeyman type so um so yeah it's just really awesome and congratulations thank you appreciate it yeah thanks for taking the time we'll uh, good luck this week see you this week thank you we'll see you out there thanks for having me absolutely thanks kurt see ya see ya